How many of you have Netflix? Can I see your hands? It's free Netflix. What are you doing? Get signed up. Yeah, it's way better than Netflix. It's got Christian sermons and teaching and all sorts of good stuff, Henry. Yeah, good stuff. Get signed up. It'll be right on your your phone with you. Uh, This is week number 11 in our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality series. And I'm still talking about assessments. This is uh, how emotionally healthy are you? And some of you brave ones picked it up last week, first week. Some of you have still been thinking about it. Uh, this is still your opportunity. We have some here. Table as you come in the back door at the uh, welcome wall. Please be sure. That's for free. Uh, it's, it's good stuff. Today... I want to begin with my personal idol table, okay? My idol table. Uh, An idol is something over the course of my life that uh, became more important to me than Jesus, okay? I start with a baseball bat. Uh, This represents my passion for baseball started very young, uh, and I was pretty sure I was going to join Ernie Banks, Billy Williams, Ferguson Jenkins. I I was sure I was going to be a member of the Chicago Cubs because, wow, I mean, it was just amazing, my talent. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, and then reality set in. So uh, then I moved on. Uh, I also love the Chicago Bears. I thought Dick Butkus could use a teammate, Uh, Gail Sears, maybe I'd do something, you know, Ron, to to help Gail out a little bit. Um, And and then I finally woke up 5'10", 140 pounds when I graduated. Not many uh, NFL players, 5'10", 140, okay? So uh, before that, yeah, then you always had the Chicago Bulls. This was pre-Jordan. Bulls. So again, I, I was all in. Uh, Henry, I, every day out there practicing, shooting. Once again, you know, little short white guy who can't jump. Not many in the NBA. Uh, so then I moved on uh, high school. Uh, this is uh, the Jimmy Connors racket. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be the next Jimmy or Mac and Roll. Figured I could throw a racket as good as Mac and Roll. Anyway, that, that, and I just recognized again, I, I couldn't hit it like they can hit it. Didn't have the speed, didn't have the strength. Uh, so then uh, I moved on. This is my high school diploma, Portage High School class of 1976. There you go. You can do the math if you want. Um, let's, let's focus on the diploma. So I got my diploma from high school. Uh, then I went and I got a business degree. And then I'm going to go to Valparaiso uh, Law School. And I was going to be a lawyer. But I was going to be one of those lawyers that give lawyers a bad name. Okay, I was going to be... Uh, whatever it took, I wanted to be rich and powerful and influential and, and make a name for me. 
is going to be. And if you listen to our sermon on walls, uh, you learn the Lord had to rip that idol out of my hands in a, in a really hard way, but he did and uh, got me on a different track. But here's what I've noticed. Um, Ron, somebody said, is, is that your new club? I said, no. No, I got the old clubs. Uh, you'll understand why later. But uh, yeah, even even something as goofy as golf, which is just for fun, it's amazing at times how something like this can become more important to a person than walking and knowing and what Laura talked about, serving and loving and living for Jesus. It's amazing. And uh, I, I got my shekels over here. Uh, I went through my little safe, uh, and, and I got my shekels, and I got some coins here. And, and I'm telling you, even today, now a pastor for over 40 years, it's amazing. Sometimes you go, well, I, well, I, I, I don't really care about the money. I just want the nicer car. I, I don't care about the money. just want a nicer, uh, you name it. Golf clubs, it, it, you, you, whatever it takes, it's amazing how quickly things can become more important than Jesus. And, and I've seen that over and over and over again. Today we're in week number 11, Emotionally Spirituality Series. Today we're going to talk about idols, and we're going to see Jesus deal with idols that were prevalent amongst his chosen people, the Jews. So if you have your Bible, find Mark chapter 11. Find it on your phone, Mark chapter 11. We're going to read out loud together verses 15 to 18. Mark chapter 11. Uh, would you stand with me if you're able? Let's, let's read out loud together how Jesus dealt with idols. Pretty strong. Here we go. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. But you've turned it into a den of thieves. When the leading priests and teachers of the religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning how to kill him. But they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed at his teaching. Let's pray. Lord, would you uh, meet us today in your church? Thank you for your passion and zeal for your children. Would you help us this morning as we uh, talk about idols? And the truth is, Lord, every one of us have idols that we have to deal with in our lives today. Things that are always trying to get in first place in our hearts and minds and ears. Would you show us this morning why this so angered you? And Lord, would you help us to get just as upset as you were 
when we allow money and injustice and religion to become our prime focus and energy. Lord, would you help us to go below the surface? Would you help us to go down deep into our icebergs this morning? We invite your spirit, we invite the power of your word to be alive and sharp today in this place. Lord, we're listening. We're ready to hear from you. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one united voice, put a picture of Herod's temple up here Um, it's uh, built this is the Herod uh, King Herod uh, and it was rebuilt this is one of the wonders of the ancient world Jewish followers of Jesus would go to temple like we go to church The temple was the place of the presence of God. Literally, the Shekinah glory of the Lord dwelled in the Holy of Holies. It's the place, they they said this, uh, heaven touched earth in the Holy of Holies there. The temple in Jerusalem was the center of Jewish life. It's where the priests would offer sacrifices for cleansing of sin. It's where incense and prayers were offered to the Lord. At the center of the temple complex, Caleb, put that second uh, slide up, would you? It's the place where only the high priest could enter in once a year. The Holy of Holies, only the high priest, only once a year to offer blood sacrifices for the entire nation of Israel. The actual uh, temple area covered the size of 10 football fields. Think about it. 10 football fields. It was an area called the Court of the Gentiles where Jesus uh, has this uh, episode. It's where the non-Jews and the Gentiles could come and pray and sing and meditate upon the Lord their God. It's where you could go and worship the Lord. You could go and and think about and pray and be quiet before the Lord. It's in this huge area that Jesus drove out and cleansed the temple. Okay, It's the place, please don't miss this, it was meant for quiet contemplation. It was meant for worship. It was meant for prayer. And instead, it had been replaced by a three-ring circus. Literally, it was craziness at this time. Now here, go back with me. If you have your Bible on your phone, go to Matthew 11.11. This uh, sometimes gets missed. A little background, so... 11.11 of Matthew, Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. And after looking around at everything, Jesus left because it was late in the afternoon. Then Jesus returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. This was the day before he starts flipping tables. You understand? 
This was the day before. He, he came into the temple and he looked around carefully, saw what was going on, and he planned out what he was going to do the next day. Jesus is looking around and he says, here's my plan, very deliberate, very calculated. Jesus goes the day before to kind of scope out what all was going on. So, Jesus is in Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people would have been in the temple area. Okay, uh, Josephus, the Jewish historian, estimates there were two to three million Jews traveled each year to Jerusalem for this feast. Two to three million. So literally, there would be tens of thousands of people coming and going in the temple courts. It would be like Disney Magic Kingdom on spring break. You understand? Multiply that about ten times. Now you got an idea. That's the crowd. It would be overwhelming. Money changers, people coming from all over the ancient world to come for the feast of Passover, they needed to exchange their Roman coins for Jewish shekels. You would not be allowed to have the face of any Roman emperor on your coin. Okay, So Jesus walked back into the temple area now and he sees hundreds of thousands of broken people and they're there to meet with God, but they really can't because the temple is a zoo. During Passover, scholars tell us 250,000 lambs, just lambs, would be bought and sacrificed. 250,000 of them. Can you imagine the squealing? Can you imagine, Myron, the blood, the, the uh, noise, the merchants haggling to sell the animals and exchange the coins, pushy pilgrims jostling for a position, and doves flying all over, pooping all over the place. I'm telling you, just picture it in your head and you go, wow. What a wild place this is. The temple had become big business. The, the temple was, according to Josephus, a place you would bribe to get the prime spots. Inflated price gouging. People had traveled hundreds of miles. And now you get there, and now you need to buy an animal to sacrifice. Literally, they had no choice. It was a monopoly, and the, the hot dog's $20. Too bad you traveled so far, you're going to have to buy the $20 hot dog. Uh, they were there in the middle of the circus, a zoo, religious elite. They had a monopoly on the place, and the poor were stuck in the worst tourist trap imaginable. You, you you were there, you were going to offer sacrifices, and now you were forced to buy and, and exchange things for unbelievable rates. 
says, look at Mark 11 with me. Jesus does four things. Four things. Intentionally. Deliberately. He he came the day before to plan it out. First, he began to drive out the people buying and selling. Why? Because this place was supposed to be a place of worship and prayer and God's word. And now they could no longer worship and pray because the officials had made it all about money. People who came who genuinely wanted just to worship the Lord were now stuck in in this crazy atmosphere. Second, Mark chapter 11 says, he knocked over the tables of the money changers. Why did he do that? Jewish shekels needed to be exchanged uh, because you needed the shekel in order to make your temple tax payment. Okay? Now imagine you have a $10 Roman coin and now you need a $2 Roman shekel. Give me $10 Roman, I'll give you $2 for a Jewish shekel in return. Do you understand? The rates were 5 and 10 and 15 and 20 times inflated according to Josephus. They were crooks. They knew they had the people They knew they had no choice, and they were taking advantage. Thirdly, it says that Jesus knocked over the chairs of those selling doves. Okay, Why specifically does Mark talk about the dove sellers? You can write this down if you're taking notes. Leviticus 14 and verse 22 tells us the dove was one of the few sacrifices that poor people could afford to make. So if you were very poor, you could at least offer a dove. That was the sacrifice. Luke 2.24, Joseph and Mary, when they brought Jesus to be dedicated, they offered a dove as their sacrifice. So, listen, uh, poor person comes, they can't afford much, um, They could buy a dove that should have gone for five bucks, but instead of five, they're selling a dove for $50. So they're they're even taking advantage of the poor. They they know they're in no position to bargain. That's the cheapest animal that's available. So they were stealing from the poor. Fourth tells us that Jesus stopped everyone from using the temple. It's a marketplace. People are just roaming around. You ever go to the county fair? How many of you went to the county fair just recently? Anybody? Yeah. You just go around. You look at the animals. You look at the rides. You look at the games. You just kind of mill around. Tens of thousands of people, they're not really doing anything worshiping or sacrificing, they're just kind of milling around. It says Jesus stopped them in the shortcut. No, you're you're not going to use this as a shortcut. You're not interested in worshiping. He literally made everybody get out of here. This was the place where Gentiles and sincere Jews could worship and pray and sing and meditate on Scripture. And now... 
think about it, it had become part carnival, part county fair, part stock exchange, part zoo, part Disney World. Put them all together, you got a noisy, smelly, dirty, cluttered mess. That's what Jesus was seeing. The temple had become big business. Put that, put that back up there. Uh, it, it literally was where hundreds of thousands of God's chosen people coming to worship the Lord properly, and now they're getting ripped off. There's yelling, there's screaming, there's squawking going all around. The prophets were obscene. It was a money-making monopoly. Go back to verse 15 with me. Here's what it says. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves, verse 16, and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. Now you know the background. Now maybe you understand Jesus is clearing out the mess from the temple. Okay, He's looking at those who are selling lambs and cows and doves. He's looking at the money changers. He's looking at the benches and the chairs of those selling all the animals and making exchange for the money. And here's what he says loudly. Not in my father's house. That's not going to happen anymore. I'm so grateful I didn't kill somebody. Thank you, Lord. Not in my father's house. That's not happening any longer. I'm telling you, we think of Jesus. Oh, he was, he was so mild and meek. Yeah, he had that side. This is Jesus hot and spicy. You understand? This is Jesus angry. He literally goes postal on the merchants. Okay? He, it's not like he's angry because someone was mean and hurt my feelings and now I'm so sad. No, no. This was Jesus righteously angry and upset at, at exactly what his house had become. So he's flipping tables. He is. Verse 17. I love it. My temple will be called a house of prayer for all the nations. <laughs> but you've turned it into a den of thieves. Prayer is supposed to be communion. Me talking with the Lord. Listening and talking. Personally connecting with our Heavenly Father. It's alive. It's tender. It's real. It's not memorized. It's not rote. The poor, the widows, the women, the disabled, those that could only afford a dove, they were there to worship the Lord. Jesus flips the tables because that's how much he wanted to be with the people. He wanted to remove distractions. He wanted to remove the idols. He wanted to remove all of the garbage. And I want you to listen. I'm going to put a slide up here so you know it. 
Jesus is willing to clear everything out of the way so we can personally taste his love and grace. Would you say that with me? Jesus is willing to clear everything out of the way. Why? So we can personally taste his love and his grace. Did you know that Jesus is jealous for you? Jesus, he wants our hearts more than anything else. In Luke's account of of this same incident, by the way, this episode is found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's how important it is for us to realize, no, no, Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He looks at how harassed his people are, and he literally cries. Jesus will take whatever he has to do and overturn anything and everything to get to us, to get our attention. He's so jealous, he's so zealous for you and for me. So I have some questions. I'll put them up here on the screen. What tables does Jesus need to overturn in your life? What area in your life has become distracting and it's gotten between you and the Lord and it's become destructive? What areas need cleaning out? What idols have you allowed to get between you and Jesus? And I'm telling you, it happens quickly. It's, it's subtle, but pretty soon, something that was really not that bad suddenly is more important to us. It could be the idol of stuff. Think of something that's become way too important. could be your phone. could be a streaming service. It could be music. It could be football, hockey, golf, soccer could become getting that big buck. It could be fishing. could be the idol of food. What's for dinner? It's amazing the things that we have the capacity to make as an idol. Almost anything can become an idol and more important to us than our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, some of you might be thinking, Pastor Jeff, I've never been to Jerusalem. And if I did go to Jerusalem, I'm pretty sure that I wouldn't buy or sell animals or exchange money. So why all this talk about keeping the temple clear and clean? How how does that apply to me? Locate with me 1 Corinthians 6, would you? 1 Corinthians 6 in your Bible, verses 19 and 20 on your phone. says this, put it on the screen, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? Your body, follower of Jesus, is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself. Verse 20, for God bought you with a high price, so you must Honor God with your body. Think about this. You and I are walking, moving, breathing, mobile temples today. 
Jesus' day, you were stuck at one temple in one location. Today, every follower of Jesus Christ who has the Holy Spirit living on the inside, we are the temple of God. We are the temple of King Jesus. Okay, uh, We are uh, those who love and know Christ. We're moving, breathing, talking temples. So here's a question. What tables does Jesus need to overturn in your life? What, what's getting in the way of your deepening and your daily walk with Jesus Christ? Here's what I know. To go below the iceberg, that's what we've been talking about the last 11 weeks, to go down below the surface of our lives, to grow and mature in our relationship with Jesus, is going to take some table flipping from time to time. From time to time, we're going to have to allow Jesus to come in and do some table flipping to get the rid of those things that no longer belong, to do some cleaning out, to do some kicking over of chairs, allowing Jesus to cleanse our temples. For me, for me, I need to work better at Sabbath, getting a Sabbath rhythm established in my life. For me, I need to learn to live within my limits because anytime I hit a limit, I just power through it. I'm just going to make it happen. It's not happening so much. And the Lord's saying, no, no, you got limits. You need to start living as so. I need to learn better to slow down for silence and stillness with King Jesus. I need to learn how to deal with loss and sadness and anger better in my life. Here's my question. What areas of your life is Jesus asking you to flip up and overturn because it's getting in the way between you and King Jesus? Would you bow your heads? Would you dare to shut your eyes and just be still and say, Lord, what tables need flipping in my life? I'm listening. Speak. Did you know the Lord is in hot pursuit of you? He loves you so much. He willingly left the glory and splendor of heaven, took on a human body, lived a sinless life, took your place on the cross, shed his blood to wash and cleanse and make us whole. took our place in the grave and arose victoriously Sunday morning. That's how much he loves you. That's awesome. 
usually as we begin our journey with Jesus, we're all in. We're hot and zealous. But it's amazing. It doesn't take long. That calendar gets overcrowded with all sorts of stuff. We get glued to a screen. We're chasing after shiny new stuff. We get so distracted to the enemy's landing fiery darts. And pretty soon, our table has some things on it that needs cleansing from it. Could it be? There's an area or two in your life that's honestly become more important to you than your relationship with Jesus. That's what he's talking about. He's jealous for that idol. He, he's zealous to speak, Lord. We're listening. It can become a person. It can become an activity. It can become some area of pride. It's amazing the things that we can make an idol. And if the Lord is speaking to you right now, He's saying, yep, here's, here's what I want. I, I want less of this, Jeff, and I want more of, of me and you. I, I want you to decrease here so I can increase. Would you let the Lord know? You're hearing Him right now. Would, would you lift your hand to Him and say, Jesus, I, I hear from you. Yeah. Speak, I'm, I'm hearing you. Anybody? I, I'm, see my hand. I'm going to pray with you and for you. Yep. Are there others? Yep. Speak, Lord. Empower me to start flipping those tables. Doing the U-turn, repenting, and drawing close to you. And if you don't know Jesus personally, if you're here and you've never opened the temple of your life today, are you ready to say yes to Jesus? He loves you so much. Would you welcome Jesus to come and save you and make you his? John 1.12 but to all who believe in Jesus and accept Him, Jesus gives the right to become children of God. Awesome. Jesus died for you. He died for me while we were still sinners. He arose from the dead for you and me. He built the bridge to eternal life. Will you believe? Will you accept and welcome Jesus into your life by faith right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for being so awesome, so good. Thanks for flipping those tables there in the temple. Thank you for flipping my table of idols so many different times down through the decades. Praise you for that. And I pray for my friends here today. Help us to regularly examine our lives, our temple, Make sure there's nothing there that's crowding out 
your son, Jesus. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Here's the truth. What Jesus did there in the temple was very public. You understand? It was like you can't get much more public than just to go hot and spicy before tens of thousands of people. I think, I think what Pastor Chad suggested is exactly right. We'd like to give you that opportunity because Jesus went public. Maybe Jesus is saying, you know what, if I'm going to be first place, if you're going to do some table flipping, I, I want you to go public with that. So put that out there. Chad and I will be up here. We're ready to meet with you. It's just a declaration. I'm, I'm going public. I got some things that need flipped in my life. And, and Jesus, I, I'm going to, you went public. I'm going to follow your lead. So as we stand and sing the closing song, if you need to go public, and sometimes I'm telling you, maybe most of the time we need to invite you up front. Just take that stand. Jesus, I'm all in. I'm public. I want everybody to know, my church family, I'm all in. So let's stand. Let's sing as we close.